Next, we have consent agenda. We have a number of items on consent. Are there any board members that wish to pull an item from consent? Isabel. Yes, I'd like to pull the minutes from the December meeting. Okay. That was not there, so. Okay. Are there any public members that wish to pull an item from consent? CNN, any staff? Yes, Madam Chair, I'd like to pull item number three. Okay. okay. Are there any public comment on the consent? Uh, any on Zoom? No. No? Okay. Is there a motion to approve? Items one, four, and five of the consent. So moved, Madam Chair. Okay, moved by Gary. Is there a second? I'll second second. by Tim. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Pass. We don't have Justin, so what is that? Six yes. zero one. Yep. Okay. Uh, Isabel, you want to go for number two? I just wanted to abstain from it because I okay. was not here for that meeting. Okay, so then are there any public comments on consent item number two? Okay, GNN, is there a motion? I'll Moved second. by Tim, second by Alvin. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Five, zero, two. Okay. I had to do my numbers tonight. Okay, next we have consent agenda item number three. I'll turn it over to the executive director. Thank you. I'd like to um, continue this item till our March meeting. Uh, staff has made changes uh, to the quarterly report and increased the invoice amount. So I'd ask uh, permission to bring that back to our March meeting. Are there any questions from the board? None? Okay. Is everyone okay with that? Okay. Is there any public comment on this item? Seeing none on Zoom, there's no public. Okay, we'll continue that item to the next meeting. Um, we'll move on to regular agenda. Item number six, we have public comment. Is there any member of the public for any items not on the agenda? Okay, and none on Zoom? Okay, so we'll move on to item number seven, which is the Caltrans report. Is Marlon online? Yeah, Madam Chair, can you hear me? Yes. Uh, thank you. Uh, good evening, uh, board members, Madam Chair, Madam Director. Um, just wanted to give a brief Caltrans update. Um, first of all, um, I'm sure you all have um, seen and heard uh, some of the uh, stories and at least some of the issues that our maintenance team has been dealing with um, in the last month or so. And um, wanted to let our uh, board members know that we are still actively um, responding to the storm damages and we have asked our uh, partners to give, if there's any, if it's applicable, any initial damage estimates um, to Caltrans so we can prepare an emergency relief funding package. And this is something that has been signed off on by our Governor Newsom. Uh, 
and has also been noted in the um, federal state of emergency as well for the state of California. So um, with that, we've been asking our partner to submit any initial damage estimates, and we're still taking those in. So anything that our partners can provide in that regard will help us to have a better, a bigger ask for emergency relief funds. But um, our local assistance team will be taking that information in. And if you'd like to provide information to us regarding that, uh, feel free to send it to me or our, our district local assistance engineer, Parminder Singh. And I'm happy to take any follow-up on that um, as well. Um, but also, I did want to mention some of our planning um, opportunities that we have coming up. Um, one of these being the um, Integrated Climate Adaptation and Resiliency Program, um, Climate Adaptation Planning Grants. Um, we do have $6 million available with that. This is from the Governor's Office of Planning and Research, OPR. But we also have our Sustainable Transportation Planning Grant Program. Um, the STPG, which there's $50 million of adaptation funding available as well. Um, so that's kind of the topic du jour, climate adaptation um, for our partners. And um, we really appreciate any interest that you guys would have in it. Um, Gregoria and myself are available for any additional information that uh, you'd like on that program. Our Sustainable Transportation Planning Grant Program um, the, the final call for applications will be due on March 9th. Um, the one from Office Planning and Research, that is due on March 31st. So again, um, it's on our Caltrans website. It's on our um, statewide grants website, but happy to provide any additional information um, that you'd like on that. Um, we also are sharing that our Clean California Local Grant Program Cycle to the call for projects will be on Valentine's Day. And so we're very much looking forward to that. And we'll have more information on that as we move forward. Um, I also would like to mention, um, we do have our Clean California um, Day of Service coming up. And we're still working on that um, in particular. But as you know, we've held several dump days around the county um, recently. and. Um, we are planning a community day event in in Stockton, but we'd like to see um, if partners are interested in other locations around the county um, and around the district. So um, the community day that we've proposed is on March 25th. That is a Saturday. It is at Stockton, uh, San Joaquin uh, Delta College in Stockton. So um, we'll be sharing a flyer out with our partners. So if you guys have any interest in participating, uh, we're going to have uh, several events lined up. That's our hope. And again, that is being led by our Clean California uh, coordinator, Mr. Sam Sherman. Um, there are some federal transit administration FTA opportunities, but that's more on the transit side. I'm happy to share that. If, if you guys are interested in that moving forward, I can provide um, some details on that. But I just wanted to also note um, um, latest uh, traffic advisories um, for the county. Uh, we do have some one-way traffic controls coming up on Route 12, um, one of them being on Lashkoff Place to Strawberry Hill Road. That's for drainage work, and that started today, and it's going to end on Friday. Um, that's daytime work. So uh, if you're out and about on Route 12, just know that we're doing some drainage work out there. We also are doing utility work 
um, on Central Hill Road um, on Route 12. And that will, that started today as well, and that's also daytime work that will end on Friday. We do have some Route 26 work happening, traffic controls at Gold Creek Drive, and that's for pavement repairs. Um, we don't have a time that that, that intersection um, will be reopened, but we do have also a one-way traffic control um, from Alabama Hill Road, and that is tree work going on. So that's actually going on tomorrow and Friday. That will be in the daytime. So if you're out and about on Route 12, Route 26, just know that we're doing some um, traffic work over there. And, um, oh, there's one more also. We're, we are doing some tree work on uh, Rich Gulch Road um, to Humbug Creek Road. That's also um, something that happened that started today and will end on Friday. So um, all of this information will be on our Quick Map app, as you guys already know. And um, this is Android, also an Apple, and you can also check that out on the internet. And we'll have those on our social media accounts as well. So um, please, please do check those before you are out traveling out and about. Um, that concludes my comments, my updates, and I'm happy to take any questions for the board tonight. Um, thank you for the time, Madam Chair. Go ahead, Gary. Hi, Marlon. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. Hey, I got a couple things for you. Um, you. You mentioned Clean California again in the program for this coming year. Will that include free dump day program that we had done for last year? I believe we're going to continue that effort, yes. That's the plan. Um, I'll confirm that with our Clean California coordinator, but I believe that we're going to continue the dump day. Okay, that's yes. great. And, and thank you for the ones we've had. I think we have one coming in copper here in a couple of weeks. Uh, but it was great. It was absolutely awesome, and it was well attended here, and uh, lots of things were taken away, and people were very grateful for it happening and being free. So thank you very much for that, and pass that along. And we'll do yeah, and we look forward to, uh, you say February 14th is initiation of the, this year's free dump, I mean, excuse me, the Clean California program? Yeah, the cycle to, yeah, local grant program. We'll have more information as that comes about, but yes, um, February 14th is the first day for uh, our call for projects. Okay, and then one other item, um, and I'm being, um, especially on the last accident that happened on Highway 12 in Wallace, um, and the, the speed limit that was increased about a year and a half ago to 50 from 45. And there was, uh -huh. a, there was a horrendous accident there where they had to use helicopters to air lift and one person passed away. Um, and since that, the number of accidents that have increased since that speed limit has increased to 50 is, is tenfold than what we used to have when it was at 45. So is there any way that maybe you guys can redo something there and maybe bring that back down because of the accident numbers and the tragedies um, that they're there that bring it back down to 45? You know, uh, that's something that we'll have to work with um, the county public works on. I know there was a law that recently was passed regarding the 95th percentile law. And basically, the previous law required that if if um, a speed limit is desired to be changed, there needed to be a speed survey done, and CHP was involved right. with that. Right. And basically, 95% uh, <laughs> of the speeds is where we would have to set the range for the speed limit. So, and that's for observed speeds. So if we observe people during a speed survey, 
going above the speed limit, then it the, the previous law would necessitate us to raise the speed limit, which, as you can tell, there's problems with that. Uh, but the, the that law has been adjusted, um, and that was just recently, last year. So I think there's some things that we can do, um, but that's in coordination with the public works, county public works, and also CHP. So we can have that discussion. I'll, I'll reach out to Robert and um, initiate that because that's that's definitely something that we want to coordinate with uh, the county on for sure. Thank you, Martin. No problem. Any other, Alvin? Yeah, hi, Marlon. This is Alvin. Um, I just wanted to say thank you. The Clean California Trash Day um, out at the fairgrounds was amazing. I heard a lot of people say good things about it. The only bad part was it was raining like crazy. And so the, the, the people that were out there in their rain gear and everything, I would just like to say hats off to them because they stood there in the rain and sleet and no snow. But it was pouring rain. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Alan. appreciate it. Any other questions by board members? None? Okay. Any public comment? Seeing none? Okay. Thank you, Marlon. Thank you. Uh, we're going to move on to item number eight, um, which is the minute order approving the appointment of chair and vice chair for the calendar year of 2023. Um, before we go into this, um, I wanted to note the board that we're going to move item number 13 after that, this number eight item, and then the next item after 13, we're going to move number 11. So it'll be go, it'll go 8, 13, 11, and then back to nine. Okay. okay. So item number eight is minute order, order approving the appointment of chair and vice chair for the calendar year of 2023. Can we pull this item and continue until next year at this time? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you, you want me to make a motion for that thing, Gary? Because yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll make a motion to leave it then status quo. Leave Amanda at chair and I, me at vice chair. Um, Amanda's got some projects in the works and I know she'd like to see them through. Yeah. So. Second. Okay. Got a motion and a second. Before we move on, we do need to do public comments. <laughs> I see Monica like, <laughs> Don't forget. Um, <laughs> so is there any public comment? Okay, CNN will, I, none online. Okay. We'll move it back. There is a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 <laughs> 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 yeah. Need some water? Six zero one. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. You're welcome. <laughs> Okay, so we'll move uh, to number item number 13. This was a request by the county. Um, however, the city, if they are online, they are also welcome to report at this time as well. But at first, we will have Robert um, do his update. Good afternoon, and thank you. <clears throat> Let me give a brief report on Wagon Trail. Right now, Wagon Trail is uh, in winter operations mode. So they are doing everything that they can to maintain the best management practices, erosion control measures, um, things like that on the site itself. There are some repairs that need to be made. There's uh, three large culverts that had some issue. They're quite large uh, concrete culverts and uh, those have been repaired. Um, 
Right now, we have noticed that PG&E uh, completed the work. Our engineers are verifying that the work has been completed, so hopefully that's done. We have them out of the way. Archaeological work continues on as we speak. They're still out there working. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, uh, including some a lot of design work still. There's a wall that needs to be designed for a change that will be brought to the Board of Supervisors once all that gets resolved with uh, design changes and um, uh, cost estimates. The design is uh, needed because of difficulty with the creek and archaeological items that were right in the way of all of that. So it'll, it makes a, a difference. Um, I'm going to move on to another subject unless there's questions with this one. Okay, so uh, I remember a conversation maybe nine, ten years ago. We sat down and we talked about using your system for our CIP, our projects and all that. And then something like three directors got in the way in nine years, but we're back at that and we've been working to implement the system that COG had. We're going to be putting all of our projects within that system and use that same reporting system for everything that we have. You will all be able to see that. But wow, I was thinking about that. Years that have gone by that we've had that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I will I will pursue with Marlon the Clements and uh, State Route 12 issue. Um, I believe he is correct with the law that passed, but implementation of the law is a, until next year. But using accident history and stuff, I'm sure we could probably do something there. Yeah. I have been getting a number of complaints from residents in Wallace that complained since it was raised to 50, yeah. and then just been an accident at least once a month going on down there. Because okay. I don't think people, now they don't, don't even, what he was saying, I know what the law says, but they don't even slow down to 50 now. They, they just go. At least they were slowing down before. So. Yeah. Okay, for the rest of the public works report, I'd like to have Kelly come up, please. It's going from afternoon to evening now. Just kidding. Um, we wanted to provide you folks with an update on all the projects that we're going to be working on this summer. Uh, construction season will be here before we know it. So we just figured this was a good opportunity to give everyone an update. Um, my team is working incredibly hard right now. Uh, we've got the Manji Bridge, which is anticipated to go to construction this year. We're just waiting on, maybe I could talk to Marlon. Marlon, send us the money. Uh, we're just waiting on the E76 for funding. So we're really excited about getting that one off the books. Uh, we've got SB1 uh, road rehabilitation. We're working in the McCullamy Hill community. We're working on Campo Seco Road, Bald Mountain Road, CSA 8, CSA 12, and some roads up in Arnold. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
We've got our routine striping program, which will be going this year. We're going to be doing a three-year contract, so we're pretty excited about that. That way we don't have to go out to bid every year, so it'll streamline the process. We're really, really excited about that. Um, I know you've been waiting for this, the Murphy's Lights project that is going to be going to construction. We are out to bid right now, so if you're a contractor listening to this, please make a bid for it. Uh, we've got our 2019 last project from the 2019 disaster, which is the railroad flat road realignment. Uh, we've got our bid out, ready to go. We're just getting our construction management firm on board, and then we'll be constructing that one. Clean California is a popular item around here, and if you guys know, we're putting in signs all around the county, and we've, I've talked about this with you folks before. Uh, monument signs are ready to go. Uh, the survey for monument signs will be ending on the 3rd, so if you wanted to take a look at the site um, and give us some feedback, you've got until the 3rd to do that. Or you can just call me and give me the feedback, it's fine. Uh, we've got a couple of other projects which are kind of more of a maintenance in nature, but they're pretty big projects. One is the high friction surface treatment project, and that'll help keep the cars on the road when they're going around these great curves that we have here in Calaveras. Um, and the thermoplastic striping project. Last thing we've got is one guardrail project which includes Murphy's Grade Road, O'Burns Ferry, Copper Cove, Pool Station Road, Southworth, Gold Strike Road, and Garibaldi Street. And then we also have a road sign safety audit project which will be, we'll be installing about 3,800 signs throughout <clears throat> the county. So um, we have to do the retro, retro reflectivity program so that everyone can see the lights shining back at them from the signs. No, I'm just kidding. The signs will be brighter, so that'll be good. And then to top it off, we've got from this last disaster, we've got 10 more projects that we're going to be hopefully building um, if we get the money from FEMA. So we need to put that in request in. Does anyone have any questions? Does anyone it's have a lot any to question? digest, I know. No? All okay. right. Are there any public questions, comment? All right, thank you. you. Thank you. If the city is online and they would like to do a report, no, Alvin. I'll kind of report out. To my knowledge, well, we've been really busy lately getting all the damage reporting and everything for FEMA and 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 trying to figure out the costs and all that stuff. So at this moment, I just know we're trying to gear up um, for this spring to start these projects and and keep moving along. But. Um, since the storm, it's just been kind of crazy. So, oh, February eighth, Caltrans will be there at the roundabout. Is that right? I'm sorry. Hold on, let me look. Yes. It is. So February eighth, and I think it's the shop project. At the shop project. Yep. Yes. Um, it's the only other thing I can think of right now. Yeah. It. Yeah. So that's all I got at the moment. Are there any questions on the city project? 6.30, I think, is the meeting time, isn't it? I'll have to look I it think, up. I Give thought it was 5.30 or 6.30. It's after work. It's on the City of Angels website. How about that? I know it's there <laughs> without getting online <laughs> and going through the whole thing. It's on the City of Angels website. Too. I know it's after 5 o'clock because I was like, yes. I know. I know it's very happy. Are there any questions on the city project? Okay, seeing none, is there any online? No. Okay. So we'll move on to item number 11, which is the minute order approving the amendment number four to the professional service agreement with 
year, business council for phase two of the regional greenhouse gas inventory and reduction plan for the county of Calaveras and the city of Angels. And at this time, I'm gonna turn it over to the executive director. Thank you, Chair Ballendorf. Um, staff is recommending the council approve amendment number four to the professional services contract with SBC. This amendment would modify the scope of work, shifting the budget from task 2.4, which is environmental analysis and CEQA documentation, to task 2.2, which is the reduction measures development. Um, attached on page 169, you can see the modified scope um, of work. Um, this work is not to extend past April of 2023. Um, this way we can stay within the project schedule. Um, this shift in scope is needed. Um, we would like to continue work on the reduction measures and examine strategies of other rural uh, communities. Um, we're trying to close the gap on the admissions on the specific sector of transportation. Um, I have worked with city and county partners um, and have their support on this. Um, this shift will not um, increase or change the not to exceed amount. Um, right now we're asking to shift the budget from task 2.4 to 2.2. If anyone has any questions, I'd be happy to answer them. Are there any questions from the board? None, okay. Is there any public comment? We got public comment. Just to mix it up. <laughs> so I think most of y'all know me, Craig Pedro, I'm the interim CEO for the county. Uh, if I had bells, I'd have them on right now, <laughs> encouraging you to go ahead and, and approve this. We're thankful the board being willing to do this. Really appreciate being, being able to work with Melissa. We're anxious to get on, get, get these measures in place, hit the target the board has given us. Uh, to reduce emissions to, and uh, hopefully this will be the last time yes. we have to do this. Uh, but it's sorely needed, and uh, just appreciate you considering it tonight. Good evening, board members. Gabriel Elliott, Star Planning Director for the county. So we came as a tag team this evening, in case you're not feeling that yet. <laughs> uh, well, the fact of the matter is that we've actually uh, We've gone pretty far in this process, and uh, we're very, getting very close to the finish line, and we think this additional uh, level of funding will actually get us to where we need to be, and once we get there, I, I think we're gonna be fine uh, moving forward. So uh, I um, imp um, request that you, uh, you, you uh, approve this amendment to the budget so that we can get this project complete. Thank you very much. Thank you. Are there any other public comment? Are there any online? No? Okay, are they bring it back to the board? Is there a motion to approve item number 11? I, I just have one oh, question. Oh, so you do. That's okay, yes, Gay. Um, we're moving this money from the task of the environmental once we get this completed. So at some point, if we're gonna continue this, we're gonna to have to come up for funding for that portion of it. Yes. So we're just shifting money out and, and we'll be looking to expend money, either CMAC or whatever money we have available coming up to replace this $224,000. So well, we are expending. 
Yeah, but this specific task isn't 224. This specific uh, task is 42,000. And our rationale is if we don't get through the measures and develop the strategies and have a qualified, we won't. I, I, I completely okay. understand that, but I just want to make sure everybody understands there's, there's going to be a shortfall when yes. we get to the task to the force end. that we need to fill that gap. Yes. Just so everybody's aware of it. Okay. Are there any other questions? No. Okay. So is there a motion for item number 11? I will make a motion to approve amendment number four. Second. We have a motion and a second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any <clears throat> opposed? Okay. Passes. Thank you. Six zero one. Thank you. Okay, we're going to move back up and we have item number nine, which is presentation of the draft zero emission bus dub rollout and implementation plan. Erin, you're up. It's me. Um, hello, board. Uh, <laughs> we're bringing back the Z plan. Um, the consultant has previously presented the existing conditions report on, at the May 4th meeting. Um, and since then has completed the analysis of the fleet, the facility, and the cost analysis plan as well, and drafted the, well, drafted the draft roll-up plan. Um, the consultant has identified a feasible transition plan for Calaveras Connect, as well as the challenges um, that our services face. As we all know, topography, weather, um, range, uh, the consultants are here to present their draft plan, and so I'd like to introduce David Verbich, Annalie Castillo, and I believe Amanda McDaniels as well as on from Stantec Consulting. Good evening. Hello. Can you hear me all right? <clears throat> yes, we can. And you should be able to share. Yes. Thanks, Aaron. I will pull up my screen if I can find it. for that. So uh, we're going to do a presentation and this is the agenda. So we're going to recap the project purpose, uh, why we did the zero emission bus plan in the first place and the requirements from the California Air Resources Board or CARB. We'll walk through some of the challenges, as Aaron mentioned, that the Calaveras fleet is facing uh, when we want to electrify it. We'll walk through some of our uh, recommendations in terms of the fleet technology and deployment, and we'll look at the opportunities for uh, collaboration with local utilities. The fleet procurement strategy will go over some of the facility modifications and finally the financial evaluation and GHG impacts. <clears throat> so the project purpose was to develop a carb compliant zero emission bus plan 
in response to the innovative clean transit regulation or the ICT regulation. What this requires is that every transit agency in the state of California develop a strategy to achieve 100% zero emission buses in their fleet by 2040. And with it comes certain thresholds or milestones, and one of that requires that small transit agencies like Calaveras Connect start purchasing a quarter of new bus purchases that, uh, as zero emission vehicles in 2026, and that by 2030, or 2029, excuse me, 100% of all new purchases need to be zero emission. In addition, it requires that uh, a transit agency like Cal Calaveras Connect submit a board-approved ZEB plan by July 1st, 2023, so you guys are well ahead of that deadline. And interestingly, there are exemptions for certain types of vehicles like cutaways, which are the type of vehicles that Calaveras operates, motor coaches, articulated buses, uh, if there are no Altoona tested vehicles. Moreover, there are uh, exemptions for agencies that lack, uh, based on a lack of feasible vehicle alternatives, challenging terrain, operating profiles, uh, and, and that aren't feasible with zero emission alternatives. So, uh, just to, to, to talk a bit more about the exemptions, because I think it's important that we understand that the ICT plan and CARBIS acknowledge that this is a living document that's flexible based on technology maturity, where we're at now with technology, the resources that may be limited for some transit agencies, especially for funding, as well as how uh, services and operations change over time. And so CARB has a certain um, threshold or, or guidance for exemptions, uh, and here are just a few highlights that I'll point out. Uh, they need to be submitted by November 30th of the year that the exemption is desired. Uh, for reasons of exemption can include infrastructure delays in terms of construction that are outside the agency's control, uh, or when a zero emission bus cannot meet an agency's daily mileage requirements. If there's topography challenges in the area that make it very difficult or impossible for daily mileage to be achieved with a zero emission bus, or if a zero emission bus in the weight category needed isn't available. And finally, due to financial hardship, meaning that because of the cost of a zero emission bus or associated infrastructure, the budget of that year doesn't allow the, the purchase of the necessary numbers. However, in all instances, each exemption request has detailed reporting and proof requirements uh, that the transit agency will need to show and prove to CARB when requesting an exemption. So this is the project process that we use. We started with an existing conditions analysis and a market scan of ZEP technologies. We conducted route modeling and bus simulations to understand what's feasible and where the challenges and gaps are. And then we came up with a fleet technology selection or recommendation based on our analysis, developed a fueling of facility needs, a site plan, and finally did a, ran a financial model to come up with an evaluation of how much this would cost over the lifetime of, of the project. And here we are today presenting the strategic rollout plan. So I'll just go over a few of the, the key challenges that we've observed. And the first is the service area. So the, the service area is very large, and what that translates to is long routes and vehicles that travel a lot of mileage each day. And right now, based on what we're seeing in the market, what we're seeing from experience in transit agencies is that 
or cutaway vehicles that are battery electric, you're getting maybe a maximum range of 100 miles on a single charge. So that's very challenging because as you can see here from this chart on the left, Calaveras's mileage for typical vehicles is well over 100 miles. So you can see that the bar charts here at the bottom show the number of vehicles operating different mileages. And you can see that only one operates about 50 miles and the rest operate over 100 miles with six operating 194 miles in a typical day. So that mileage is very challenging. Moreover, the fleet is composed of cutaways and minivans, and there are very few zero emission options available for the cutaways and vans. And finally, that CTA Calaveras Connect doesn't own the facility, it's leased. And what that means is that it's a challenge or could be a challenge to deploy the necessary infrastructure and modifications needed to do the charging uh, due to things like uh, lease agreements and programs from PG&E. I'll pass it to my colleague, Annalie Castillo, who's also on the line, uh, who will walk through some of our analysis that le led to a preferred fleet concept. Thanks, Ivan. The analysis. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yes. Um, as I was saying, uh, David alluded to this, and the analysis in the modeling was really the key to identify what was feasible at this point uh, through the fleet modeling. Uh, the multiplicative analysis was able to identify uh, and weigh the different concepts, and we presented this uh, to stakeholders and the in Calaveras Transit who are on the day-to-day -day operations. And we went over the pros and cons of the different options as well as the implications for each fleet concept, and that was the determined course to a preferred fleet, and the result was a fully bioelectric fleet. Uh, so the plan would be to replace the current fleet with electric vehicles uh, and the modest fleet expansion will be required to fit uh, Colorado Transit's operations, their service and current needs. So on the next slide, we can see um, the comparison between the current fleet and the proposed fleet. So we have a total vehicles that are used in a day and there are currently eight a cutaways that are used and one van, and the proposed expansion is to go to 10 cutaways and two vans. Now, the reason for this change is to compensate for that limited range that the vehicles uh, have of the electric versus the conventional, and this is also done in an optimal way so we can share uh, vehicles between service so we can minimize that fleet growth. So at the peak, you're still going to have, you, we're going from seven cutaways to eight cutaways, uh, which could represent some uh, additional vehicle dispatch coordination as well as um, operators coordination. Uh, and another big reason to have an increase in the cutaways is because we will have uh, three more, three cutaways instead of two for the spare. So the total fleet count goes from nine cutaways to 11, and then from two vans to three. And again, this is really necessary to compensate for the range limitations. Uh, and this is as if, you know, other technology it has the current capacity. It is anticipated that as the expansion is happening, that 
the technology can continue to improve or battery capacity can be expanded and that could potentially reduce the need of the expansion. But we need to plan for you know the worst case scenario and that will be technology as, as, as it is right now. And then the next slide we have a free procurement schedule. Uh, so as we can see there is already a purchase anticipated for, for this year and then there's going to be another purchase uh, in 2026. There is still going to continue to be procurement of diesel and gasoline vehicles. Uh, but when between now and 2026, there is not really a regulation and there will be a, a, a bit of credits as well. And between 2026 and 2029, 50% uh, of the procurement needs to be um, 50% zero emissions. And in this example that you can see in 2026, that is the case as well as 2027, so you guys will be compliant with the CARB regulation. And past 2029, all the purchase needs to be 100% zero emissions. So what we have in here will be a, you know, compliant procurement that will also allow for the complete transition to zero emission vehicles. Uh, and there is a slow addition of the vehicles, so we anticipated that the new added vehicles or expand the vehicles will start happening in 2032, and this will give enough time to see if there is any investments in the technology to maybe not needing that expansion as if the technology keeps improving. And in the next slide, uh, we have a free summary. So as you can see, uh, the total count for vehicles um, will start increasing in 2032 and the total fleet of 14 will have been reached in 2040. Um, related to the charging infrastructure, it will be recommended that all charging infrastructure like main electrical equipment is done at the beginning as early as possible, potentially to uh, infrastructure programs and when there is funding available. But the phasing of when the charges come online will be depending on what the vehicles are there. So there's gonna be uh, chargers with dual distances, so each charger will have two ports of connection. And in 2025, we anticipate to have uh, an additional uh, of those two chargers in 2029, two more, and in 2032, an additional one, and that will bring the count to um, six, Sorry, yeah, six charges, uh, 10 charges, which should be enough to support the active fleet. We would anticipate that the spare vehicles could be charging during off hours when you're not in service. So that is why we have a smaller number of charges compared to the total number of buses, but the phasing has been planned. There will be enough infrastructure to support the active vehicles. And then in the next slide, Alluding to those opportunities for um, infrastructure investment, there is a, a, the local utility PG&E has um, funding that is available in, in infrastructure programs that would allow to cover the cost of the infrastructure. So, investor on electricity um, utility in, in Calaveras, but we would allow to support the electrification through the strategic data infrastructure as well as being able to install the infrastructure. Now, the only issue with this is because Calaveras doesn't own the facility, 
but there needs to be an additional uh, agreement with the landlord for the cost of modifications. So usually the PG&E will ask for a long-term lease to make sure that when they install infrastructure that it will be utilized for a certain period of time, so some additional coordination might be required of it. Uh, but this EV program on EV fleet could provide a lot of discounts to the charging infrastructure and wouldn't pass the bill to Calabria's uh, transit for any upgrades to the grid uh, connection. And in this case, uh, what the PG&E program requires is to have a certain commitment of vehicles that, that will be purchased. So, for example, making a commitment that that agreement, that schedule that was shown before uh, will be in place, meaning that the vehicles are coming uh, to be used by the infrastructure that it will be uh, installed. And with that, I'll pass it back to David. Thank you, Annalie. Some of the maintenance facility uh, requirements in terms of modifications for infrastructure and chargers, uh, we understand that the facility isn't owned by the county or by Calaris Transit, but what we did is that we surveyed the site, we did a site review, and we planned what if the facility would acquire these new facilities, these new vehicles, excuse me, and infrastructure. And so the idea is to have ground-mounted dispensers, kind of like the graphic shown here at the bottom left, that would be able to uh, be placed along the edge of the property, and then uh, that would have minimal impacts uh, to the flow of the vehicles, as well as during construction. And, but as Annalie mentioned, the, because the facility is leased, there are, there are investments required here, and so therefore there needs to be uh, buy-in from the landlord and, and agreement there if this is a current site and this is a site that we proceed with. And here are some sketches. Here's a sketch of what this could look like in terms of having the chargers next to the vehicles where they're parked along the edge there, as well as having... Uh, a diesel generator for backup in case there's a, an outage and you still need to require and you still need to charge vehicles. For example, there will also need to be upgrades in terms of the switchgear and other electrical equipment that we also examine and plotted out here. In terms of, oh, excuse me, I, I didn't uh, show this slide, but this is the sketch concept plan in terms of showing the vehicles and the charger infrastructure as well as as I mentioned, the diesel generator for backup power. In terms of the financial evaluation impacts, what we can see is when we look at the total cost of ownership over the course of 20 years, when we look at the base case, which is business as usual acquiring the current fossil fuel vehicles, we're looking at a total cost of ownership of about five and a half million, and that breaks down with the fuel, the fleet maintenance, and the fleet acquisition. In the ZEP case, i.e. transitioning to zero emission fleet, that total cost of ownership over the course of the 20 years is about seven and a half million. And a lot of that is due to the, to, to the expenses around fleet procurement in terms of the vehicles themselves being more expensive and the deployment of the infrastructure for the electrical vehicle charging. However, there are cost savings and we've estimated that that cost savings can be related to the fuel using electricity instead of diesel or, or gasoline and then as well as potential savings from fleet maintenance. And here on the right is what you can see is a year-by-year -year cost comparison through 2040 as the transition uh, proceeds. The yellow bars are 
uh, in the ZEB case, that is when we, we start including zero emission vehicles in the fleet, and the gray bars are business as usual. And the biggest uh, deltas or the biggest jumps are the years when we're acquiring uh, more vehicles that are, are zero emission because of their cost. And so that's what's really driving the, the, the cost difference here. In this next chart, is a summary of those those values again, and so the biggest cost difference is the acquisition or deployment of the vehicles themselves and the infrastructure related to the vehicle chargers. But there are cost savings, predicted cost savings, related to the fuel being now electricity and not gasoline or diesel, and the fleet maintenance because there are fewer moving parts. We, there, there could be uh, some cost maintenance because the vehicles uh, need less attention or less. Uh, less maintenance. And so overall, as I mentioned, the base case over that 20-year horizon is a total cost of about $5.4 million, and compared to the ZEP case is about $7.4 million, or about a $2 million cost difference, or about 37% higher. So that said, there are several funding sources that are available to help the transition to zero emission for trans agencies across the state. There are federal programs like the Low and No Emission Vehicle Program, uh, grants for bus and bus facilities, raise grants, uh, CMAC funding, and other types of grants. As well at the state and local level, there's the Local Transportation Fund, or LTF, uh, the Hybrid Zero Emission Truck and Bus Voucher Incentive Program, or HFIP, which Calaveras has used to get its first electric passenger van, as well as the LC-TOP, or Low Carbon Transit Operations Program. There are other programs as well, such as the VW Mitigation Trust Fund. So there are programs, some of them are competitive, some of them are first come, first serve, uh, to help offset the cost of, of these zero emission vehicles. Other components of the zero emission bus plan include uh, outlines, uh, outlining training for operators and maintenance technicians, and here are some uh, courses and overview that we get into into the report in terms of the types of training, not only for operators of how to operate these vehicles and, and exploit and maximize things like regenerative braking, for example, but training for maintenance technicians such as working with multiplex, HVAC, and the battery systems, and basically how to be safe when working around high voltage. Finally, our modeling and analysis uh, comparing the existing fleet and a zero emission or battery electric fleet to understand the potential for greenhouse emission gas offsets, build that by transitioning to 100% zero emission bus fleet, we can offset that CO2 difference or the greenhouse gas emissions by about 87% for the whole, uh, excuse me, 82% for the whole fleet or about 87% per vehicle. And the reason this isn't 100% is because while at the tailpipe, these vehicles are zero emissions. Uh, the upstream uh, impact of electricity used to fuel the vehicles does generate some CO2 and has a carbon footprint, so that's why it's not 100% uh, zero emission. As the grid becomes cleaner and more renewable, that transition will obviously have a knock-on impact of having the emissions reduced completely. And I think it's important to put this into context so transitioning the fleet is like removing 24 passenger vehicles per year on our roads or recycling about 5,000 pounds of waste rather than landfilling it per year. And 
reducing the need to plant about 130 acres of trees, for example, or limiting the energy use from 14 homes per year. So it is a it is an impact. The air will be cleaner. We'll have less pollution and, and fewer carbon emissions related to public transit. So the take-home message here is that converting the current fleet to battery electric vehicles is probably the best fit for Calaveras Transit. However, we need to expand some of the fleet to, uh, to match some of the, or meet some of the challenges and limitations around operating constraints and the operating realities of battery electric vehicles. Based on our implementation plan, the fleet can be 100% uh, zero emission by 2034, and once it's 100%, the total reduction of greenhouse gas emissions will be about 82% compared to business as usual. To offset the increased capital cost requirements for vehicles and infrastructure, Calaveras will need to be aggressive at pursuing grant funding. And finally, it's important to, to remember that the ICT plan is a living document that should be updated as needed, that is flexible, and that has to be adjusted based on what the actual realities in terms of the technology is, the funding available, and the amount of service and operations that we can put out relative to the, to the funding. So that brings us to the end of our presentation, and we're happy to answer any questions. Thank you, David. At this time, I'll move it over to the board for any questions. I believe Gary has some. No one else has any questions? You, you, you can go for, you can kick it off. Yeah. You want me to kick it off? Yeah. Um, can we go back to the carb exempt slide? Can we put that back up? Yeah, certainly. Give me one uh, second. The, the only reason I want to say that is, is because we're a little bit, the counties that are up towards the Sierras, which we go up to at 8,000 feet. There, there's no snow exemption there, and the coldness really zaps these batteries um, from, from use. So I'm not so sure how much during the snow season or even the cold season we'll be able to use these, these ZEM or ZEB vehicles um, to carry out what we do. I, I mean, I, I know this, I don't know if anybody's ever brought this up or has been asked or it's being considered or what, but I certainly think just knowing what we do and our topography here, and topography is part of it, but I don't see anything about cold or snow or anything else that really zaps the batteries out. We've had a lot of electric cars up here that were side of the road because their batteries went dead. There's no place to charge them because they're going in the snow to go up skiing or whatever. It happens all the time. So that was one of my points that I wanted to make out that maybe something needs to be done at state level or somewhere that take that into consideration. I don't know in the future if that's going to be different, but it doesn't seem to be changing as we go forward and we're in 2023. Yeah. And, and if I may address that question, there is that okay? Um, so mm -hmm. the the aspect when it says when a zero emission vehicle cannot meet an agency's daily mileage, that's where that exemption will come in place because it's specifically related to extreme weather, like you alluded to, that will impact the range of the vehicles, and that has a direct effect on not being able to meet the mileage. 
So it is kind of like embedded in that. So if that is the case, obviously our modeling tries to account for that, try to account for the extreme weather and extreme topography. And that's part of the reason why we're saying you need two additional vehicles to complete the service of your current vehicles. Uh, so that could be the case where like the, the when it comes time and if you are operating vehicles and you realize they're not meeting the mileage that they need, even beyond what we had anticipated, then uh, at that point to Davis' uh, last comment, this is a living document where that can be, you know, proven. So not only through the modeling, at that point you already can allude to that, but also when the actual vehicles are in operations and that extreme condition is being observed under that, uh, the vehicles cannot meet the daily mileage needs, that's the exception that would apply directly to your case because of that extreme weather. Yeah, and I don't disagree with you, but it'd be kind of nice to have it spelled out there specifically, just trying to meet that. There's a whole, that's a whole different ball game of all different reasons why it can't meet the daily mileage. I mean, topography is in there specifically, and that's part of the reasons that we can't get agency daily mileage needs. So, so I, I'm just saying possibly it should be spelled out in there so it's it's clear because that is an issue and it's a big issue. And I don't know what's going to be done in the future to correct that, whether there's going to be heaters installed on the batteries or what as you go forward, but that's more energy that needs to be expelled. I'm just saying maybe it's something that we could lobby for or something. Um, then I'm going to the fleet purchase tables 9 and 10. The proposed and and um, I need a little bit more clarification on here because I, I'm telling you we ordered a bus, an electric bus, two years ago and haven't got it. So we're looking at all these buses. We're looking at year after year after year, and we better start ordering them now for the next five <laughs> years because I don't see them delivered for the demand on them on what's happening in California. I mean, we'll be lucky to get two of these by 2030, uh, the way things are going right now. So I'm not sure what that's going to do to the plans or whatever, but um, it's, it's really an issue. Again, it's, and it doesn't look like we don't have a delivery date now. And this was two years ago we ordered it. So uh, I just want to point that out when we have this, this proposed summary and this chart in here that this may not be realistic at all because of the fact that you can't get these vehicles. Um, and then you talked about cost savings on fuel. Um, that may be immediate, but I'm not sure overall in the long run that's going to be fact because you don't know what what is the lifespan of these vehicles, what is the lifespan of the batteries, what's the cost to get rid of the batteries, dispose of them, what's the cost to get new batteries once those are gone and you need it for the vehicle. All of those are extreme expenses right now to get rid of all of that and buy new batteries. Ask the people that have older Teslas. Um, it's just costly. So yes, I agree, although PG&E costs are skyrocketing right now. Yep. Um, per mile cost, I'm not sure in the future, here in the next few years, it may even out. But in the overall, I, I don't think there's a whole big cost saving in the end as you pull this out. Because is there, is there a life expectancy on any of these vehicles or any of these batteries? Do we have any that we know of? Because I don't see it was brought up in here. 
So it's not it's not in the presentation, but it's in the report. So we, we made assumptions around the useful life of the vehicles and the uh, battery, <coughs> excuse me, the life of the battery. In terms of replacing the battery, the way we see it is that these vehicles already are not used for more than seven-ish years. So yeah. the vehicles and the batteries would be replaced rather than just replacing the battery and keeping the vehicle in use. And then in terms of the cost structure we used, PG&E's rate structure for for EVs and forecasted that forward based on inflation rates and energy uh, energy uh, um, cost rate growth from the uh, Energy Information uh, Institute Institute for the EIA, excuse me, and then that way we were able to project out. But in terms of cost savings around fuel. You're right. Those those rate structures are unpredictable for the longer run, and Annalie can speak more to that in terms of how those charges are passed along to agencies. Yeah, and the, the reason I bring it up is I, I sit on and have sat on for a number of years the Calaveras Public Power Authority, um, and just recently our rates doubled this year, just doubled. So, and, and that's part of PG&E, and I expect even more increases with the winter storms we just had because they do forecasts on what they think it's going to cost them to run, and I'm sure these storms weren't forecasted in their budget. So um, anyway, I'm just bringing that up, and those are the points that I had on your presentation. So thank you very much for your presentation. Um, very interesting. Again, I don't think we're going to get to the level of buses that you have here simply because of the unavailability of them. Everybody's trying to go that way. And, but thank you. Appreciate it. Are there any other board questions? No? Okay. I know the, Melissa had some comment to make. Um, so I'm going to let Melissa answer some questions. Thank you, Council. I just wanted to let the Council know there are some significant, legitimate um, things that we face as challenges, and we could request um, an exemption. As he said, it's a living document. Um, this is an informational item. Um, we have documented your comments, but we encourage you over, you know, reviewing the plan in the next 30 days, um, please email Aaron or myself. Um, and we will document all those comments in the final um, draft. You know, I think he hit on it um, with our facility. That is a huge thing. Um, and we can, you know, adjust and see if some, you know, scenarios can work for us. Instead of buying cutaways, you know, if we had three electric vans and we use those on certain routes and not going up the hill, and maybe that we could meet our compliance. Um, but I hear your concerns and we will document them in the comments. Um, this, like I said, will be a 30-day comment period. Um, and then we hope to bring um, the final back in April um, so we can have it to Caltrans on time. Any other, any other, Tim? Is there a way to get our hands on whatever buses we're looking at ordering 
bring them in and, and do a test run and see, do it during the summer, then do it during the winter and see how far we get. I'm, I'm reluctant to spend big American dollars and then find out, oh, we're going to park that because it's not going to work for us. Yep. And, and so when you see in the schedule, um, I think it's 26 that we're scheduled to buy our first bus. I'm hoping to, you know, communicate with our neighbors in Tuolumne and Amador um, to see um, what they're doing. We um, communicated with Tuolumne on the van. Um, we got to see their van, you know, right after they purchased it. Our van should be here within the next week or two. Getting wrapped oh, this right. week. Yes, we hope to have it at our booth at the fair. But um, before we buy any, you know, electric vehicle, you know, cutaway or bus, we would like to research it. Um, and then we'll also be applying for grants um, to pay for that. And I just want to make yeah. one, one comment to that. There's, there's a difference between the buses that, that we will be using up here versus the valley buses. Yep. And I think majority of those buses that there's a lot of places like Stockton and, and in San Joaquin yep. said and on down that already have electric buses running, but it's yep. all flat ground. Yep. And, and, and they don't have the extreme weathers that we have in our area. So our buses will be a lot different. And I think that's the reason why our van and whatever is taking a longer time. They're mass producing those buses to meet those needs of the larger areas. Yep. And, and not the needs of the smaller areas because it's, it's a business and money's where the money is. Yep. But, but there, is, there will be a difference. We won't be having these huge buses. Nope. Although it will be a bus and resemble a bus, it won't be that type of bus. So. You are correct. And I'm hoping through our um, next item, which is our um, electric vehicle charging infrastructure plan, um, that we come up with some ideas and partnerships to have charging stations up the hill or further out, and we may be exchanging parking a bus and so forth. Thank you. Are there any other questions? No? Okay. Um, this is informational. However, is there any public comment? Not seeing any in the room, any online? Perfect. All right. Thank you, David. Thank you, everyone. We appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. We will move on to item number 10 which is the minute ordering approving the award of professional service agreement with DKS associate to complete the Colorado County electrical vehicle charging infrastructure implementation plan. Before we dive into that, let's take a five minute break, please. We'll take a five minute recess. Everybody ready? <laughs> 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 
Okay, welcome back. Okay, we will go back to um, <clears throat> item number 10, which was the minute order approving the award of professional service agreement with, with DKS Associate to complete the Calaveras County Electrical or Electric Vehicle Charging Infrastructure Implementation Plan. Is that you or Aaron? Aaron. Hi, Hi, Justin. Hello again, board. Um, so the COG released a request for proposals on October 14th, and by the due date we received four proposals. Um, we had a proposal evaluation committee comprised of county, COG, and city staff, and based on their review, DKS Associates was ranked first. At this time, we're asking the board to approve a professional services agreement with DKS Associates for the electrical now I'm saying electric vehicle charging infrastructure implementation plan for a not to exceed amount of $130,858. Please. Any questions? No? Okay. None? Yeah. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> Great, great job, Erin. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. <laughs> I'm going to hold on to that all year. I'll make a motion. <laughs> hey, we got a motion in a second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. We have six, zero, one. Justin's on. Justin, have to do, Justin, do we have to do a roll call? Yeah, I, Justin can vote. Monica? Justin, let's find out from Monica before. Did she take Why wouldn't I be able to vote? Because we have to, didn't it get implemented? Oh, yeah. AB361 goes through February 20th. Not on this one, the next one. Yeah. Okay. Right, Monica? Or what are we? Yeah, so member can participate via the um, Zoom because we do still have Assembly Bill 361. So although he did arrive late, his presence has been noted. And so he can, if he would like, he can participate and vote on this item. Do you want to do a roll? Yeah, let's do, okay, let's do a roll call because you came in half. Okay, are you comfortable? You were here for most of the presentation, right? Yes. Okay. So, and I, I read it. And, you know, I'm confident that what we're doing is, is okay. proper. Okay. So with that, I'll come back and we will do a motion and a second. So moved by Alvin, second by Tim. And with that, Callie, can you please do a roll call vote? Yes. Roll call vote, agenda item number 10. Amanda Fallendorf. Aye. Gary Tofanelli. Aye. Alvin Brolio. Aye. Isabel Moncada. Aye. Justin Catalano? Aye. Tim I couldn't hear you. Sorry. Tim Munities? Aye. Pat Bettinger? Aye. Okay. We'll move on to item number, we did 11, so we'll move in. Justin, earlier we moved item number 11 up, so we are skipping down to number um, 12, and the same thing with 13. We already did 13 as well. Okay, item number 12, consideration of grant applications for fiscal year 20, 
2324 Caltrans Transportation Planning Grant Program. With that, I'll move it over to Melissa to speak. Thank you, Chair Fallendorf. Um, this item is staff seeking direction to submit two um, sustainable community grant, um, like Marlin was talking about earlier. They're due March 9th. Um, some of you may remember in um, the December uh, agenda item for the call for projects, um, there were two planning grant requests. One of them was the Calaveras Regional Bike Pedestrian and Trails Master Plan update. And then the other one was the Copperopolis Main Street and School Safety Improvement Study. Um, I would like to ask the council for their um, direction for me to submit two separate applications for those two projects. If you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer them. So any questions by the board? Any feedback? Justin, anything? I just want to make sure I don't miss you. I'm, I'm good. Okay. So this is an action item. Correct? Well, direction for oh, me direction. to submit these. Um, I can bring, they're due March 9th, so I will ask for approval at the March meeting before they're due. Um, and we'll approve these for submittal. Um, but I'd like your direction to spend staff time developing these applications. Um, we've already scheduled an appointment to meet with the Copperopolis Elementary School. And then for the uh, Calaveras Regional uh, Pedestrian, uh, Bike Pedestrian and Trails Master Plan, we have um, some in-house plans that we've worked on in the past. So those can be built upon. Um, and I think the city is interested in like a historic um, aspect to their um, bicycle plans. So I think it would benefit both city and county. Okay. You have your light on faster. Um, I'm looking at the third grant here and it just had the conversation we just had previously on item number 10. Um, excuse me, yeah, item number 10. For local and regional identification of transportation-related climate vulnerabilities through the development of climate adaptation plans, as well as strategies for transportation infrastructure. And it was said that we, if we're going to get exemptions, we need to show, would, would, would not this fit some of that for so exemption that, going so forward? So we just approved that. Um, contract so we're going to work through that plan and through that plan and documentation will apply for grants to implement the infrastructure or ex exceptions I don't know I, I'd apply for this grant just just for okay what well, I'm not sure what the scope would be if I haven't worked through the plan to, to I, I know what that plan and what they were going to do and we've given comments and, and so forth but I'm not sure at the end we're going to come up with a, a, a overall plan for our vehicles and and CTA but I'm not sure that what they're going to do is going to transform into what's needed for an exemption and what I'm saying this could be I think some money available to us even to pay them to, to, to put forth if we're going to go to the state with our exemptions we're, we've got to have show them the reasons why 
we're asking for these exemptions, and this money, I think, is available for that type of study and for that type of plan. Yep. And you're saying that that's going to be included in? Well, the Zeb plan that we just reviewed the, the presentation on, he also noted in his presentation, we already have like three good reasons to ask for an exemption. One is that we lease our um, facility. Two is our topography. But I don't think you have to have a plan or a grant to submit a letter requesting an exemption. We just did a ton of groundwork in the ZEB. But if you'd like me to research that, I will. I, I would, because I think if you're going to go to the state and say, okay, here's our exemptions, they're not going to say, okay. They're going to say, show us how. And I think this may be money available to put, to, to put that together. On, okay, so this is the reason we want this exemption. And, and this is our study on it. And this shows, this is our backs, backs us up why we want this exemption, this exemption, and this exemption. So a climate adaptation grant to yeah, yeah. develop our exemptions? Yeah. OK. So I mean, do I, we does everybody want understand what I'm saying? Uh, okay. So you're after some funding for some exemption if we go after it with the ZEB? He wants to prove Correct. it works and doesn't work before we go spend a bunch of money. Correct. And I think this is money maybe out there for some of it, not all of it, but but especially what I was talking about are climate changes. Yeah. And it would show the state, we'd have some money to, to put a study to show the state when we ask for the exemption that here's the reason why. Okay. I'll check with Marlon when the due date is. Three grant applications from in-house would be very aggressive. Um, is there one that you would like me to exclude that I recommended and do the climate or go after, try to go after three. I'd go after three. Okay. Does, does the third one cause a question or uh, increase the chances of the others being not approved? Um, no, yeah, they're just two separate um, programs, but with the staff in-house developing the grants, um, I'll try to see if we have on-call. Is the board okay with spending money on on-call for outside development of these grants? I was going to ask that specifically for the yeah. last one because that is yeah that's would be an end warehouse and so I think the support for her might be warranted. Yeah, even if we can apply it, I mean we'd have to kind of bounce it off Marlin first, correct? Well, I'll I'll reach out to our on-call grant writer to see if we the purpose and the scope that we want it for would sure. fall, fits into, that. Fits sure. into the guidelines. I think you got to check that out first, yeah, see if you even yeah. fit into the guidelines. They may say you don't qualify for this exactly. at all. You may not even have to spend any staff time. And we have a lot of moving doesn't. parts in this arena. You know, we've got our greenhouse gas, you know, we've got our mm -hmm. electric vehicle charging implementation plan. So I don't, you know, I'll, I'll research it. Okay, just reach out and find out. And if we don't qualify, it's not part of it, although I'm kind of thinking it might be, but mm -hmm. I just thought I'd bring it up. We get every exemption we can get. Well, my suspicion is we're going to end up with a mixed fleet. We're going to have yeah. internal combustion exactly. that's going to do all the up the hill and the cold yeah. runs, yeah. and then this, the, the lower level stuff is. Yeah. Yep, we'll have a hybrid. Yeah. And it may not reach or meet the state's goal, but I think in good we've shown good faith. And yeah. then through our ZEB plan, we document our reasons for exceptions. It was interesting at one point we were chatting with somebody in South Lake Tahoe, and they were explaining that the bus can't go from South Lake to North Shore without getting a charge. Yeah. 
and they spent what two million dollars yeah. to put in a charging station at the college just yeah. so the bus could come home. Yeah, just so the bus could come. Yeah. Home. yeah. Mm -hmm. I have a so. question. I'm going to piggyback off of Gary on the climate act, uh, adoption planning grant. I'm with the numbers, because uh, so on greenhouse gas, are the two thirds of that is the transportation. Like that's the biggest issue on the climate on the greenhouse gas. We're trying to meet those metrics. Would anything outside of just transit, but would this, would there be anything warranted for that type of implementation for either jurisdiction for transportation? down the road once we, once we are able to adopt that plan as well to mitigate the transportation just in general with the greenhouse gas plan. I, I don't think I'm following um, you. If you think our ZEB or our greenhouse gas. Greenhouse gas, just greenhouse plan. gas. So put ZEB, a ha okay. ZEB to the side. This would just be the greenhouse gas being that, because the, we're all, the jurisdictions are having an issue because transportation is the highest. I mean, and I think every county is having that issue. Would what Gary mentioned on the climate adaption planning grant be able to apply for some of those mitigations outside of that once we get to get through with that plan in the sequel or are we bouncing ahead of ourselves too far? I'll, like I said, I'll have to okay. research it. I know that our greenhouse gas reduction plan used our ZEB plan as part of the measure. Got it. Okay. So now Got I'm it. like okay. using my own stuff. Got it. You know, okay. No, no. Okay. No, no, you sound like no, no, training. I had this I had this conversation earlier today yeah. with Melissa and I'm not yeah. sure it's all being put into what we're trying to get reduced and the fact that we're not gonna be all electric. What the numbers that I'm sorry, Susan. Uh, we're not we're not gonna be all electric, obviously. I don't think we can be. That's not possible. Um, so what numbers are they using and are they using all that are available to us to get the reduction down to a usable number? Yep. So where, where we've already measured in the greenhouse gas is including our ZEB transit plan. So if we already still have a gap of 70% with all these plans and we also partnered with Tuolumne on our Central Sierra ZEB and we're still not making it, um, I'll research. I think I understand where you guys are going, sorry. but um, well, we can talk afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that was convoluted, but my brain just started spinning when he said that. I so. just want to make sure everything available so we can overall. Yep. I just think that um, what we've started will put us in that position. Okay. So I don't want to jump out and ask for it now. I think. Um, but I think there may be a later date and a fall call. So let me do some research okay. and I will get back to you. Okay. Thank you. Are there any other questions from the board on this? No, not after that. Okay, so there's three, there's three items, which is the bike pad, the copper school, um, safety, and the climate adaption for staff to, application for staff to look into and bring back next month. Um, are there any questions on that from the public? Not seeing any room, no one online. Okay, um, it was, since it's direction, do you need to vote? Okay, no, is there a motion I, to I approve hear my the direction loud and clear. <laughs> okay. Okay, so we're good, awesome. 
Uh, we will move on to item 14, which is council reports. So I will start with Tim. I have nothing to report. Okay, Thank Isabel. Um, the only thing to report was that in-person public meeting, it's from 6 to 7.30, just to clarify. Okay. So we said 5.30 and, yeah, so it's 6 to 7.30 on the at the multi-purpose room. So that is, that is all. Pat? Um, just one quick little thing. I happen to live in Gold Creek, and uh, there was work being done on 26, uh, but it seems to be very, very, very complete. So I think that portion of the Caltrans work is done, done, and done. And a good job. It was. Yeah. Hmm. Replaced some culverts and, yeah, some paving sure and so forth. Work, but <laughs> it seems like the culverts are lower than what the water level of the creek. But but it looks it looks nice. They did a good job of the repaving, <laughs> and we can get in and out of the development quickly now. But yes. until the next storm, anyway. <laughs> it won't slow Gary down from getting on them. No. That's a shame. No. <laughs> Gary. Yes, I want to. Um, acknowledge and thank Cynthia and her staff. They were a call on a moment's notice and showed up at the vet's hall to transfer the, the people that we had to evacuate and they did it more than once and I think um, I, I will stand up and say thank you to you and your staff. Thank you. Good job. Because it was on a moment's notice, and they were there, and Cynthia was there. She showed up, too. So thank you very much. And that's all that I have. Alvin? I'm good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only thing I have a report out is a couple weeks ago, I attended the, I'm going to probably mess this up, is the Dis District 10 Regional bike and pedestrian Action. meeting. And it is um, myself and Rob Williams, our representatives on that, and Marlon was there. Um, it was a really good conversation. Um, some of the highlights were um, Comanche is elevating some of the trail system through their um, hierarchy, their board and they've made it um, clear that they want to expand the bike and pedestrian um, out in that area, which is great for um, outdoor recreation on that side of the county. Um, there was discussions um, from Alpine County um, using public lands on both Monitor Pass and Highway 4 to go on and off for biking and um, trying to figure out what that would look like. Um, so this, this group, it's, I don't know if it's, yeah, it's a coalition of very, each county has a representative within District 10, and we meet quarterly um, to discuss where um, projects are going on the bike and pedestrian area across, and what can we learn from each other, and where the successes are and whether or not, and because um, some areas have strengths and we can learn from them, and vice versa down in the valley. Um, but I did attend that, and it was very educational. 
Um, so uh, Rob was really happy about the Comanche yeah. expansion. <laughs> Okay. And if you're ever if you're ever interested in joining them, um, either reach out to myself or Melissa, and we can send you the invite, and you can join. It's all remote. They do it during lunchtime to make sure all the Caltrans um, individuals are able to make the meeting during their lunch break. So it's kind of, you know, talk. You sent me an invite. Yeah. Um, that is all I have. Um, with that, I will move it over to staff report. If no one else has anything. Oh, okay. You up in? Um, well, aside from the included staff report in the packet, which I think we've touched on every project throughout the agenda, um, I did want to point out page 28 of your packet, which is the flyer for our evacuation and access needs public outreach meetings. We're having two dates, one in Angels and one in San Andreas on February 22nd and February 23rd. Um, we've shared this pretty far and wide. It's on our Facebook, our website, it's on the county website. Um, my mother load picked up the story and ran it online, and we have printings happening in the Valley Springs News and Calaveras Enterprise in the next couple weeks to try and advertise, but feel free to share it and to attend and give us feedback. Callie? I don't have anything to report. I did? Nothing Major. to report. Okay. You reported on Okay. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what do you say? Actually, reported. Okay. Um, that we were enjoying the cog. Um, we will be meeting again March first, uh, right here at five thirty, and we will go into the CTA. We will take a five-minute break. We'll take a five-minute break and convene to CTA. We're live? Okay. We're back. Okay, welcome to the February 1st, 2023 Calaveras Transit Agency meeting. Um, we have on our agenda, the consent agenda, we have a number of consent agenda items. I would like to pull item number two. Are there any other board members that wish to pull items? Off consent. Any staff member? Any public? Not seeing any in the room and no one online? Okay. So is there a motion to approve one, three, four, and five of the consent? So moved. Is that a motion? Is there second. a second? Second. Second by Alvin. Oh. Sorry, Justin. Um, could we please have a roll call vote? <coughs> Roll call vote, consent items number one, three, four, and five. Amanda Fallendorf. Aye. Gary Tofanelli. Aye. Alvin Berlio. Aye. Isabel Moncada. Aye. Justin Catalano. Aye. Tim Mutides. Aye. Pat Bettinger. Aye. Okay, that passes. Next we have item or consent agenda number two, which is approval of the regular meeting minute from December 7th. Um, I believe Isabel would like to abstain. So with that, if there's no public comment, not seeing any in the room, none online, is there a motion to approve consent agenda item number two? So moved. Moved by Alvin. Is there a second? Second. Second by Gary. Roll call vote, please. 
Roll call vote. Consent item number two, Amanda Fallendorf. Aye. Gary Tofanelli. Aye. Alvin Brolio. Aye. Isabel Moncada. Aye. Justin Catalano. Aye. Tim Munities. Aye. Pat Bettinger. Aye. Okay, we'll move on to regular agenda item, which is number six, public comment. Is there any public comment for any item not on the agenda? Okay. And not seeing any in the room, any online? Nope. Okay, move on to item number seven. That's me. Yeah. Transit like service update. Good evening. Hi. Um, Cynthia Lawrence, Calaveras Transit, also Paratransit Services. So, in my report, there's just a few things I'll touch base on. Um, so, uh, our safety and training, we did um, uh, what's called a Target Zero. It's a company-wide uh, program we just launched in January, um, and it's where the entire company is committed. We've pledged to do everything in our power to um, have zero accidents, zero incidents um, throughout the entire company. Um, we've implemented um, a newsletter, I think it's a quarterly newsletter, it may be monthly, I could be wrong, um, where we'll highlight um, different stories from different um, sites, things that people have said, you know, near misses or um, items where they said they caught this uh, issue with safety and they corrected it and um, it saved you know multiple issues going forward um, or highlights like the one that was um, in the newsletter that we received um, for January uh, Livier uh, Rodriguez Vasquez who um, as you guys remember she was um, uh, uh, what do you call it um, recognized um, as um, someone who assisted the lady who got lost um, and she found her, um, and that was last year. So um, she was highlighted in January's. Um, so this one went through, and the picture you saw in my report, we had finished the meeting, I got everybody together. Um, if you look really closely, because we're sort of comical, we had one lady who was missed. We sort of wanted to make sure she was in the picture, so we put her on a little, little poster thing there. Um, and that's where we all committed to um, uh, pledge that um, uh, zero accidents and incidents for 2023. And we got a little, um, uh, competitiveness going so you know we're challenging uh, the other sites so um, if I move on to route cancellations and late routes um, as you know the storm really impacted us um, it really you know between the flooding the ice the snow the down trees the mudslides um, it was all a bit of a challenge for our routes um, but our drivers, they did well. Uh, they navigated that. I was really heavy on Facebook trying to notify our riders that, hey, it's icy. We're not going to make it up to Arnold. Um, Apple Hill just kills us. So um, we've had a couple near miss incidents um, going through Apple Hill, and so we take the safer route. Um, but also, um, after these incident you know after the severe weather we also had all the road work and it continues and it is impacting us greatly 
um, 26, I mean, sometimes we were 20 minutes to 30 minutes down just on that end. And the red line is a consistent route that goes from Valley Springs to Arnold. And so then by the time you get through Valley Springs, you hit San Andreas. Uh, then by the time you get there, now it's Arnold. And so they were getting it left and right. And we're still experiencing that. Um, but we're making, we have time at the end in Valley Springs that sort of helps recover. Um, and then our drivers are good at communicating so that we can get all of our transfers. And work there, yes. so you had to stop there. And, yeah. and in our Columbia College route, uh, it's not catching any breaks either because they had a ton of, of um, I think there was like four areas that they were getting hit in road work. Um, I think a lot of it got wrapped up, but you know that's the storm. It, it really affected those roads. Right. So yeah, we were getting it on all ends. Um, and then I'm just going to jump down to our community service events. Um, as you know, thank you. Um, I will pass on the word to everybody. Um, your um, acknowledgement and kind words. I appreciate you, um, and they will. They'll love to hear that. Um, but we did um, operate for evacuations on two different occasions, one on the 31st um, and the other was on the 14th. And boy, the 14th was a little more um, spicier. Um, it started at about 8 o'clock at night. And um, I live in Gold Creek. <laughs> I made it out of Gold Creek. And it was unknown if I was going to make it back. So because they had completely closed the road down. Um, and so once we got the people on board, because um, we had to get a wheelchair, they weren't able to board regularly, um, we finally got them to uh, you know, the Senate or to uh, Frogtown. Um, and I think we got home about 3 o'clock. We ended about 3 o'clock in the morning. So, um, but they got there, and it was great. And they got transported the next day to a different facility. So. Um, and along that line, um, so I want to talk about warming centers. We've also been called upon. I'm on, um, well, we're out on daily uh, meetings with OES, uh, myself and Melissa. And, um, and so they were asking of us to provide transportation for all the warming centers. And just recently, we've been asked um, to start, starts tomorrow, actually, um, we will be providing service from 9 to 7, dial-a-ride to and from the FEMA um, for the resources and all the things that they'll need there. Um, so we'll have a dial-a-ride service going specifically to the Frogtown um, and then taking them back home. And that's county-wide, whoever needs it. Um, and so that's what we're doing. Okay. I just like to, to thank Cynthia. Um, every time she's called upon, um, she just says yes, tries to figure it out. Um, when she's called out to those storms, um, it's not just about providing the transportation. She's making sure they're warm and having the heaters going in the bus and making sure they're getting where they need to go. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. And I'll pass it on to everybody as well. I've got a great team. So. We'll move on to staff report. And 
Um, as alluded to earlier, our, but our electric van is getting wrapped this week. Its appointment was on the 30th. So I'm really, really hoping to see it next week, but I, of course, will let you guys know immediately so you can fawn over it. <laughs> Callie? I don't have anything to report. Melissa? And when we get the new electric van, we should bring it to the next meeting so we can drive it around and check it out. Um, but I am really excited um, to have the electric van at our booth at the fairgrounds. I don't know if you remember a couple years ago, we had um, taken one of the buses, uh, oh, yeah. the cutaways. So now to have the electric van, I think that would be a cool way to promote it. Nothing else to report. Yeah, we have, we have the van in the smallest building that's out there at the top. And next we have closed session. So before we join into that, we will we'll need to read it out and do public comment. So um, closed session item A is conference with real property negotiators pursuant to government code section 54956.8. Property APN 004006026 last one Agency negotiator, Melissa Raggio, negotiating party, John Paul and Kate Allen, under negotiation, price and terms of payment. So with that, is there any public comment on this item? Seeing none in the room, none online. At this time, we will take a break so we can um, be prepared for closed session and we will report out on this item March at the next CTA meeting, which is March 1st, 2023. Thank you.